Welcome to Let's Get Lit Podcast Book Club with a Twist. Is that right? I don't think so, but I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> I was busy looking up what is in an oatmeal wheat germ chocolate chip cookie. What's um, in it? I don't know. <laughs> I got distracted when you started talking. It sounds like a lot of stuff. So there you go. Case closed. 450 calories. That's... That seems like an unreasonable amount of calories for a single cookie. I mean, it's oatmeal, it's wheat, and it's germ. It's basically a health food. But, you know, that's food. This is drinks and books or something. I don't know. Where are we? Um, so I have something to add to that. But first, we should tell people this week we read Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. And we are sipping Dawa cocktails to be specific we are drinking diet dawa oh we were drinking we watered it down a little bit it was a little intense real sweet yeah so we had to put some sparkling water into it to make it palatable gotta get the Lacroix up in every cocktail that you drink yeah it's you gotta make sure your beverages aren't like pushing you over the glycemic index we're old now it's a thing yeah First it's Metamucil, then it's Diet Dawas. <laughs> and then in the morning, oatmeal, wheat germ, chocolate chip cookies, as you do. Um, so I'm going to get into that, but before we go too far astray from our original calories and cookies I figured if I started astray, you couldn't accuse me of getting us off topic. Like no. the topic of this podcast has become cookies. A hundred percent. It's cookies. But also so, born a crime. Um... <laughs> Yes, born a Or diet dawa. No, Am I confusing wait, no. you yet? Uh, I saw an ad pop up for this weird thing that looked like a like a vibrator, but it's not. I don't have any idea what it is. That's I'm gonna show you a picture of it. It looks like an IUD, but like really big. Anyway, that's inappropriate. This isn't a sex podcast. I know, I know. Okay. This is a podcast got, for people I'm who never have sex and just read books. Telling you what distracted me. Okay. So when you're talking about 450 calories in a cookie. I got a Fitbit because I'm trying to, like, remind myself to not just sit down literally all day at work. I feel like you're a traitor to this book club, but go ahead. Well, so I feel like I was starting to feel... Because my my job is, like, such an office job, and I sit... This is your job, Brandy. I know. I sit all day, and I was like, I wonder how much I actually move. So I was like, I'm going to get a Fitbit. I This one that I have also has, like, this thing that monitors your sleep, which I really like. But, well, yeah, I would also prefer the sleep monitoring to the fitness monitoring. All I want to do is sleep. But it every day tracks, like, what, you're, what you metabolize and then, like, tells you, like, how many calories you can eat to not gain weight. Like, how many calories you can eat to, like, stay at your base. That's fat shaming. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Because when I wake up in the morning, it's like, you're allowed to eat 600 calories today. And I'm like, what? In the fuck? <laughs> I was like... I was like, how is that even possible? So, like, I went through one day just, like, normally, like, eating what I would eat and drinking what I would drink. And it was like, if you stay on track here, you're going to gain two pounds a week. And I was like, what? Also, like, that doesn't happen, (laughs) obviously. No, it doesn't happen. But it's like you have, I don't know, anyway, it's really horrible. And then so you start looking at all of your calories very differently. And I'm like, this is really overwhelming, and I don't want to do this anymore. I haven't done it. I've just heard you talk about it. And I... I'm already over it and offended. I know. And I'm going to sue them <laughs> because I'm going to be like, you said I was going to gain five pounds this week and I gained eight. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's pretty Ugh. It's pretty brutal. These are the things you do when you're not reading, I guess. I'm just always posted up on the couch without my pants on, reading my book and eating my oatmeal wheat germ chocolate chip cookies. I know. I thought they were healthy. They're not. I know. Now that I know they're 450 calories, I'm going to limit myself to two a day. I think maybe two for breakfast. Like, don't get crazy. We're not in summer yet. No one needs to build their summer bod in winter. I don't care what they say. You build your summer bod on the first day of summer, and you go, (laughs) ah, shit, it's too late. I might as well just have tacos and tequila. Exactly. Speaking of... So the Dawa after African cocktail, it's Dawa parentheses African cocktail. I don't know from Genius Kitchen. So we were looking for cocktails to make, and um, last week, if you recall, Brandy said, "You're Brandy." <laughs> Star You're said, "Always so self-absorbed." I am. Star said that she was going to create a cocktail for us this week, 
And boy, did I ever. Yeah, and so basically, the Dawa cocktail is like a Three margarita, <laughs> but with vodka and honey instead of agave. So it's honey, it's honey, lime, and vodka, and mm-hmm. you shake it up, and it's served neat or with a couple of ice cubes in it. Um, and you're supposed to serve it with a Dawa stick, which is like these little sticks that are stir sticks, and they're carved, um, and they're... They're made in Kenya, although I didn't realize they're made in Kenya until we did some more research because it's a really popular cocktail in South Africa and Johannesburg specifically, which is why we picked it. Mm-hmm. Um, Very on theme. Yeah, we were trying. And just to be clear, I couldn't go to Kenya to get these Dawa sticks, but I had planned to use straws to stir them with. But Brandy does not own straws and is like all about that straw ban, so. We just had to, like, drink it the old-fashioned way without one. With and our I'm, mouths. Yeah, and I just, I feel like I'm not getting the full experience. Also, it was, I mean, it's not surprising that the first cocktail I made was undrinkable. <laughs> so we had to add a lot of LaCroix. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It might taste better if you make it correctly, but I'm not exactly known for my chemistry or my mixology or anything that involves doing anything. Um, so it didn't turn out great and Brandy had to fix it, but I tried. You did, and you did an excellent job. I'm very proud of an you. An excellent job of trying. Thank I have you. some fun facts about the doll cocktail. Tell us more. I, I have very few, but I'll tell you the ones I have. So, like I said, it's actually a classic Kenyan cocktail, mm. um, and it's called a dawa because the dawa stick is what you use, and it's, I guess, traditionally used in honey to, like, get the honey out, but they use it in the cocktail, um, but it's the Swahili word for medicine, or, like, a derivation of that. Alcohol is definitely medicine. Well, I mean, it, it's it's really similar to a lot of cocktails, but it reminds me of a cold version of a hot toddy. Yes. Which is just lemon and honey and, I think, whiskey. Yeah. I so, was, was going to say Jameson, actually, but that is the whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My particular... Oh, that's, like, the best thing when you're sick. I love a good hot toddy. Well, I agree with you because I was drinking this and thinking it's kind of like a sweeter version of Theraflu, but cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm really selling it. I nailed it, you guys. I nailed it. I mean, it, it depends on how you feel about honey, I think, in your cocktails. Like, to your point, it tastes a little medicinal to me, but not in a bad way. Yeah, no, I definitely just feel like it is curing all of my ales. Yeah. Like, scurvy and... <laughs> honey does, like, honey does... Ulcers. Maybe like not that. comforting food. Honey is a comforting food. I never, I feel like I never have honey in my life. No. Um, you said your house was full of honey. It is full of honey. But you just buy it and never <laughs> use it. Are you becoming one of those people? No, it's just, I'm, yeah. What did you other... buy it for specifically? Specifically. What do you put it on? Where do you put it in? Specifically, I bought a fuck ton of honey because I... I'm so weird. You're going to make so much fun of me that I, I just wait. don't I even want to talk about this. Wait. No, it's just I always read about how like people who have allergies, like when they go to new places, they tell them to try the local honey uh-huh. to like prevent against them. And I've never had allergies, but I am a hypochondriac and I always am convinced I'm going to get them. So I try to like eat a spoonful of honey once a week of like local honey in any place that I am so that I don't develop allergies. And I'm pretty sure that makes me... A doctor. <laughs> I, I will just, just. I will just say. Can't. I don't have any allergies. Like people will be like the pollen. The pollen's really awful, and I'm like, I'm fine over here sucking on a spoon of honey. That is so, actually bizarre because you're like you got a whole laundry list of ailments. I'm pretty breakable, but like no allergies. So hmm. tell me, I'm not a genius. That's like the first thing I do if I am staying somewhere a long time. Is I land, I usually go to Trader Joe's because they will have, like, a local honey there. Huh. And do then, they really? Yeah. And I will eat that. <laughs> so. I learned this. Um, did you? I knew you were going to judge me. I didn't want to share. This podcast no. was supposed to be safe space. 
You say safe space a lot, but I you said know that who a lot in our first three episodes, and then I stopped saying it, and I felt like it was, I was judging you. Yeah, I felt like it was safe for me to bring that back, and no. you're judging me again. This is a safe space. For- I honestly like everyone else in this book club more than you, and I'm so glad that we finally have other friends so <laughs> that I can hate you. Anyways. And I have to apologize to the book club people because I've been really slacking in our social media lately. Which means we've been slacking. Which and means- I just lectured Brandy about the fact that she needs to suck it up and stop coasting because I have dibs on being the slacker of this podcast. I know. And I'm going to do it over President's Day weekend. I am going to make a valiant effort to like up my game in our podcast world. I have already made a valiant effort. Because I've yelled at you a lot, but also because I got, a, like, my work computer has all I've been using for the last two years, mm-hmm. and I finally figured out how to access my personal computer, so now <laughs> I can, like, help with editing episodes and uh, assumedly a host of other things. I'm totally going to do that. You're going to do our Goodreads. Just talk to people. My here. favorite thing to do is listen to our episodes and then, like, hate text Brandy all of the things that are wrong with it. Like... I'm like, the sound quality here, it's really choppy right here. Like, you really fucked this up for us, as I do nothing to help. Yeah, thank you for that. It's excellent. Very So, special. I think that's what I have to offer. I love and being in this abusive relationship. <laughs> well, I mean, you. I feel like you abuse me back. I feel like it is a I toxic do. relationship. Don't you know that you're toxic? That was, you can do better. Do you want to try again? <laughs> you just broke somebody. I feel like I broke you. You did and that's a little my bit. Goal. A little bit. Um, I feel like this cocktail's not kicking in the way I need it to. Well, maybe drink it faster or let's talk about the book while we're still I feel like this is becoming a weekly thing where Sirens. you're committing crimes right before well, because, the podcast. Because starts. we're reading Born a Crime. <gasps> I have scheduled Whoa. all of the ambulances and fire trucks and police cars to come by this week. So you're welcome. Brilliant. Thank you. You are. I take it I all back. You're fully committed to this podcast. Our public service. I don't even want to know what crime you committed, but I appreciate the dedication. Um, you're welcome. And I want to just real quick tell everybody because I plan on doing a shit ton of work for this podcast over President's Day. If you could be so kind as to email me or send us all of your book recommendations, we're going to be buying our next several books and picking books based on what you say. So we have a couple lined up. Um, We got some good recommendations. We've already read a couple of them. So if you have anything else, um, also anything, there's a lot of like new books on the New York Times bestseller list that I have not read. So if you can recommend any of those. I like that you're recommending that they recommend you the book that you want to recommend. Well, there's a lot of books on the list. I would like to read one of them, but I can't pick. I will say. So tell me, book club, what to do. I don't count on the book club to do these things for me. I just read in addition to the book club. And I've read a couple of really good books this last week. And I feel like we should have a segment that is who read more books this week because I will win every time. This is not a competition. This is a book club. You're supposed to read the books with other people. It's a book competition. But I did read this. (laughs) The book competition with a twist. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember when we used to have those reading competitions at the library growing Uh, up? You always won. Yeah, I did. I don't know if they (laughs) had them everywhere. I'm sure they do. Or just in our local library. Yeah. And they would always be like, who could read the most books that summer and I never failed to come in first place like and I would win by a landslide like I'd win by like 20 books granted I was reading a lot of Sweet Valley so I could blow through them quicker but some kids were reading like Clifford which is like a picture book with a couple of words oh my gosh you're so mean so to be fair I liked Clifford but like you're counting that as a book when I am reading a 250 page Sweet Valley High saga book remember when you graduated to chapter books that was a big deal it was and I've always been winning these contests and I will never fail to so don't at me Brandy are you done (laughs) for now until you say something else and I judge it okay okay so like born a crime great book (laughs) a big fan loved everything about it um Trevor Noah's hilarious we both did the audiobook 
He's Correct. really funny. He's um, yeah. So the the book starts off with I'm gonna I'm have some discussion questions. You want some? Let's discuss. Uh, um, the book opens with a story about him being thrown out of a car <laughs> by, by his, his mom. Mother. Which is I knew I was gonna like the book from that point. Yeah. On. Um. So how do you think this story in the beginning illustrates the rest of his life? Wow, like... That's a real book club question. I was going to say, like, I thought it was going to be, like, so how funny was that? That was funny, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's a lot deeper than I expected it to be. I guess just, like... I know, I don't... It's really... I honestly don't even know how to answer that. Do you have an answer? Like, how it paints the picture for the rest of the book? Is that what the question was? No, the question specifically says, in what ways does the story illustrate the overarching narrative of Trevor Noah's early life? The actual fun. Which, this book, to me, this is not like a book club, formal book club book. Yeah, I mean, there probably are definitely themes that you could extract from it. Like, there's, like, this sense of, like, not belonging and... You know, and race relations and politics, yeah, and, and like fitting in and all of that, yeah, and just like the hustle of you know being alive, etc. Um, but yeah, I really don't have an answer to that question, so I've already failed this book. I have. I thought you were a winner. I know. I've no. You only win at reading competitions I, at the local. I, I, library. I can read them really quickly, but I can't comprehend them. <laughs> <laughs> so. I guess if I were trying to answer this, which I am, I think that the beginning story where his mom throws him out of the car and, like, has no sympathy about it whatsoever. She's just like, and now we're jumping, jump out of the fucking moving car. And he just, like, instinctively knows to just hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. I think that that is pretty descriptive of the rest of his life, at least in the way that this story is told. Like... He's just handed kind of shit situation after shit situation, and he figures out a way to navigate it that's really kind of graceful, and in a way where, like, you'd assume someone would have to tell you, like, and this is how you deal with that. Yeah. He was, like, as a child, all the stories that he tells, like, he was probably the most annoying kid that's ever existed, but he was super clever, like, really, really smart, got away with a ton of stuff, like, knew how to manipulate and work the system from a very, very young age. To the point where, like, I seriously hope my kids are dumb because, like, You're like, who has the energy for that? No, it's exhausting. And his mom was such a gem. Oh, my God. His mom was amazing. I know. Like, one of those people where you're just, like, I mean, was she really that incredible? Or is he just one of those, like, sons that loves his mother so much? I feel like he saw her flaws for what they were. Yeah, he did. Like, her pushing him out of the car, for example, which, to be fair, was to save his life. But that is a good point that, like, he was falling asleep, he gets shoved out of the car, and just no question, like, I think he even mentions in the book, a normal kid would say, like, ow, that hurts, why'd you do that? And he just no question is like, okay, like, run, like, shoot first, ask questions later. And, like, it's just that kind of survival mentality that you, I guess, have when you grow up in these really trying circumstances where you can't afford to kind of pause and think about things. You just have to like go, go, go and make it work. And yeah, I mean, someone like him, he got into a lot of shit, but he also got out of a lot of shit. And most people probably wouldn't be able to navigate those situations to your point. I had a really hard time relating to him in any capacity. Oh yeah. Because (laughs) I am such a rule follower. And I like, I remember very vividly being like terrified when I lost my mom in Safeway. Who wouldn't be? And like, I thought like I was definitely going to die and be alone forever. And I feel like, I mean, he was just so adaptive. I don't know what the right word is. Like he was, he was so resilient. Yeah. Like, nothing faced him. He was just like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do all these things. But he did talk about, he grew up in, no, he didn't grow up in the slums, but he grew up in, like, an area that was, like, a step above that. But he spent like a lot of his... like, the outskirts of the slums. Yeah, but he spent a lot of his time, like, in, you know, what he called the slums of Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And he said that, like, part of being there is just being, like, super resourceful. And he's like, nobody is resourceful the way that poor people are resourceful like you make it work like you figure out ways to make it work and I mean I grew up pretty poor and I also remember being like when you don't have 
the things that you need to like get the situation done, you kind of MacGyver your way through it and you just figure it out in a way that I think when you have kind of the privilege of resources, you don't have you that don't same... Have to, you yeah. don't have to be scrappy. Exactly. Or you don't have to be like, I can't make this work, but I need to, so I just need to figure it out. Yeah. There's an easier solution. Exactly. Usually. Exactly. And I feel like... I, just in like my own life as I've become like more financially solvent and like adulting I find myself like not lazier but like I don't I don't spend the mental time to like solve my problems I like pay my way out of my problems well and it's not like I'm fucking flush but to be fair like, like that's probably the smartest way to do it like it's if you have the resources, why would you not use them? It's yeah, just exactly. when you don't have any resources, you have to be much more creative. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't give you the option to give up because if you give up, you don't survive. Yeah. Where if you are someone that has more financial resources or you have things to fall back on, you can not do anything. Like you can just totally phone it in on your podcast yeah. and you're not going <laughs> to die. <laughs> I mean, mean, Star might shove you out of a car, but you're not going to (laughs) die. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I feel like there's... He's just such a success story for the place that he grew up, but he does reflect on it in a way where he's like, I could have... It could have not ended up this way. You know, it could have been a million different ways, but, like, this is the way it is, and it's a combination of, like luck and Mm -hmm. his own personality which was just super resourceful and super resilient and like made situations work constantly like he was he was i mean as he grew up he kind of joined forces with some friends there and did like a whole bunch of hustles like Mm -hmm. tons and tons of stuff like he was like burning cds and he had an early computer where he was like just illegally parties yeah illegally downloading stuff and djing parties his um do you remember his like Heil Hitler moment? Go Hitler. Go Hitler. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I guess we probably need to elaborate for yeah. people if you haven't read the book. So he this has is bad without context. Yeah, he has a friend whose name is Hitler. Yeah. For a reason I don't entirely well, basically know. Basically what he had said is so like South African schools, like they teach history very differently and the way that they understood World War Two like, they didn't get into all the nitty-gritty of the Holocaust like they do in some other places. So the way that they understood Hitler was, like, this is some badass motherfucker that, like, people are scared of. And so people would name, like, their dogs Hitler or, like, their tough kids Hitler. Like, it was just something, like, it was, like, you name someone that's, like, a big, tough, no-nonsense guy but it didn't have the kind of connotations where, like, obviously no one here... Yeah. I think it's actually illegal to name a child Hitler in the Is United it really? States. I remember, like, someone tried to do that and they wouldn't allow them to because it's basically, like, a freaking like... It's child ra- abuse. Yeah, like, it's either, like, a slur or an epithet. Like, it's yeah. something that is not allowed because yeah. it would be, like, child abuse, essentially. But that's not the case in South Africa. So he happens to have a friend who's, like, this amazing dancer named Hitler take it away brandy (laughs) um so at at their parties like there's usually like a he's trevor knows djing and like they'll hit a point where it's time for hitler to like break it down Mm -hmm. and he's like a really good dancer and he's just going like crazy and so they get hired to dj like all these places and then they get hired because they've become so kind of prolific they get hired to DJ a bar mitzvah. And <laughs> you can see where this is going. Yeah, and so, like, it. it's getting, like, pretty hot and heavy. Like, the bass is dropping. It's getting wild. And then... Mm-hmm. Hit, thank you for that. You're welcome. Hitler jumps on the dance floor. And, like, as part of their, like, hype for him, they all start saying, like, go Hitler, go Hitler. <laughs> and then, like, record scratch. They're like, no. Yeah. This is not happening. And the... Trevor Noah said, like, at the time... I mean, it's just such an interesting... It's such an interesting situation because of all of the different ways that, like, race relations and xenophobia and all those kinds of things, kind of, like, anti-Semitism all plays in with each other based on your perception of the situation. But, obviously, the people at the bar mitzvah, like, their perception of the whole thing was, like, these assholes are, like... Showing up at this 
like a freaking Jewish celebration. Yeah. And celebrating. rubbing this in our face. A hundred percent. But then Trevor Noah and his whole crew looked at it and they were like, oh, these like racist assholes. These like, they white don't... people because they yeah. consider them white people. Yeah. They're like, oh, these white people like don't like black people and they're kicking us out for no reason because we're like dancing and blah, blah, blah. It's like just the way that they both perceived that situation, which was functionally innocent from both sides was yeah. just which like, makes it funny but also like this is a real yeah all sides were offended situation. all sides were offended and like both rightfully so because the situation because of like all of the different factors like societal factors that played into it just made this a really tough situation for everybody involved totally and i mean i will just say like if you, I'm assuming if you're listening to this episode, you've either read or listened to this book. But if you haven't, like, you've just got to because we just can't even do these stories justice. Like, the way he, he being Trevor, narrates this book is just hysterical. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, the voices he does for all of his friends and, like, his aunts and his grandmother. Like, yeah. it is just, it's a performance. And I... I know we both listened to the book. I guess we can't compare because we didn't read it. But this is one that I'm just like, don't even waste your time reading it. Like, you have to listen yeah, to it in his voice because it was job. so incredible. And one where I thought, like, I actually don't mind that I spent money on the Audible credit because I would totally go back and listen to some of these kind of stories again. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my super literary question. Okay. What was your favorite story he told? <laughs> There's so many favorite stories. I think my favorite, favorite story was the one where he, like, um, had this huge crush on this girl okay. who was, like, the prettiest girl he'd ever mm-hmm. seen in his whole life. And so he kept going to her, like, his friend was dating her sister, and he was like, oh, my God, she's so hot. Like, And so his friend was like, I want you to take out her sister so that we can all go to this dance together (laughs) and so he's like he's like oh you're probably gonna set me up with some like ugly girl that i don't want to go out with and then he met her and he was like oh my god like we're in love like and like in his head it was just this like perfect relationship and they were so happy and like she like she was gonna go to the dance with him and so they got all ready to go and as they were like going to the dance she like wasn't saying anything in the car which he thought was really weird And so he, like, got to the dance, and she basically was like, I'm not going in, but, like, didn't actually say anything. She just, like, sat there in silence, and he was like, what's wrong? Like, come in, come in. What's wrong? What's wrong? She just, like, sat there, and she was, like, shaking her head. Like, she wasn't going to go in. So he went into the dance, and he was like, oh, I have the hottest date ever, and his friends were like, no, you don't. He also he also talks about how at this time it was like his severe awkward phase. So we like, had like so there's no way this guy had the hottest date. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean he's a babe now, but he was saying at the time he was like I keep saying like, I'm really sorry. He had really I'm just bad welcome to the party, Brandy. He had really bad acne and he said he had a kind of not well groomed afro that was kind of all over the place and he was tall and lanky and just not a good look. And so nobody believed that he had scored this mega babe. So he gets all of his friends out of the parking lot to go check out this girl that he's brought. And as he like goes up to her and he's like trying to get her out of the car and she's like, no, 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 but not actually saying anything, he realizes that she doesn't speak English or any of the other <laughs> languages that he speaks. And it never occurred to him before yeah, that time. That like they he was never just had like, a conversation. We're having a great time. She's so pretty and she's going to go to the dance with me. Yeah. And so basically his the girl's sisters spoke English. And so they always were saying like, oh, she says this. Oh, she says that. And like thinking it was that same kind of teenage response where you go over and my friend likes your friend yeah what do you think you know and so it's that same kind of situation where you just assume she speaks the same language that i do but anyway she didn't speak the language at all and then all of his friends were making fun of him because she spoke a language that was i don't know not well respected in that kind of group Mm -hmm. it was some stupid thing not her language, but like I was like, like whoa, no, whoa. Her, not her language was stupid, but, it was but just like, like the perception a, of it was a stupid yeah. thing that like we're it judging was some sort the of unnecessary bias that they had, and it was a stupid unnecessary bias. But so anyway, they all made fun of him, and he ended up having to like 
take her home just humiliated because he... Because that's what high school is. Yeah, well, and also I think he was, like, really embarrassed that he was like, I can't believe we didn't have a conversation this whole time, and I just assumed we were in a full-on relationship. And I feel like that is Is so... men. That is men, and that is so representative of, like, even, I mean, dare I say not men, just any person where you meet someone and you're just, like, so attracted to them or into them or whatever it is, and you immediately just start to, like... Project. Project all of the things you want in a person on them. You're like, I want someone who is, like, beautiful, smart, and kind. And you see them and you're like, they're beautiful, therefore they're smart and kind. Yes. And so then you just see everything through that lens. And then after the fact, you're like, so they never gave me any reason to believe any of these things I just decided. Yeah. Like, she actually never Decided gave me any reason. Together. Yeah, she never gave me any reason to believe that we'd had a conversation. I just assumed we'd had one, but we haven't. So yeah. there you go. Uh, attraction Good is the story. worst. Good story. I feel like, well, actually, I was going to say something that I immediately regretted saying, so I take that back. Fair enough. And I'm like, you, I'm going to let you bite that one back. Really? I'm not going to force you. Oh, but it's such a good story. I wanted okay. to tell it. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I just wanted to make okay. sure we didn't say anything problematic on I'm the gonna airwaves. I'm going to tell it. It's not problematic, but... What's the story? Do you remember when I had joined Definitely. eHarmony? Definitely. And I knew that's where you were going, and I remember it 100%. I joined... I remember where I was sitting when you found, I found out you joined T-Harmony. Really? At your parents' kitchen table. Were you really? I was. And I was like, have things gotten so bad? Yeah. I mean, can we also give some context? We were like 23. Like, this was not... A time when you no, needed to... but we were 23 at an age before, like, Tinder and Bumble and all of those things. Like, none I get of that what you're saying, where you're like, I'm going to try online dating, and yes. your option was to take a 100-question quiz yeah. that would then match you with people. Yes. So, I joined eHarmony, but I didn't want to pay for it, because it was, like, stupid expensive. Fair enough. And I wasn't You were 23. Yeah. Um, but when you do a free trial... Like, you can upload all your pictures, and other people can see your pictures, but you can't see pictures of anyone. Yeah. So what I was going to say was that I feel like it would be great if there was a dating site where you couldn't actually see anyone's pictures, but you'd had to talk to them and see if you it's liked them. It's called free dating. And what? Blind, like, free dating sites. Or oh. blind dating. Is that a real... Blind dating's a thing. I know, like, going on a blind date is a thing, but is that, like, an app? N- probably. Well, anyway, I was going to say that that should be a, a real thing, but it shouldn't be because you can't, like, make yourself attracted to somebody. So the point of the story was, and Star already knows this, but I'm going to tell you guys. I met this guy, and by all intents and purposes, he was, like, wonderful. Like, personality-wise, we were just aces. Like, really we could have, it off. Yeah, we could have a nonstop conversation. It was just so fluid and, like, wonderful. And we talked for probably... I don't know, like four or five days straight, like constant conversation. If I, so I know the story, but the way you phrased that, I thought you were going to say like four or five months. And no. Like four or five days. And we were just aces. But, but you know how that is like when yeah, you first where you're start just talking like to someone and you're like, I could not get enough of him. I was like, this guy's great. Like, like we have the same political views, the same, you know, personality. We have the same sense of humor. Like all, like we just connected on like every level and after, like, five days, I finally was like, hey, not to be super weird, but I didn't pay for eHarmony, so I actually have no idea what you look like. Which is such a bummer, because he was like, she likes me. I know. And, and she knows what I, I look know. like. And he sent, me, he sent me his picture, and I was like, oh. Yeah, just... It wasn't, I mean, he wasn't... Honestly, he wasn't... He wasn't ugly. Bad looking. Like, no, he, he was just, ugly. You, there wasn't like a spark. There, there wasn't a spark for me at all. I was just like, you know, this person is not doing it for me with like the facial region. I would just say and, that's like projecting in reverse where you're like, you have all the personality traits I want. So I'm just assuming you must be good looking. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't. And I, tr- I, I tried. I was like, well, you know, sometimes like. People, I think people kind of come to equilibrium once you get to know them. Like, really hot people become, like, 
you get used to them and people who are less attractive like become more attractive you also the more get you used like to them, them you get used to you them you get so used like, to everyone and so then it's just uh yeah like you said it's an equilibrium everything yeah. meets in the middle yes so like pers- if you like them personality wise like you're pretty much good to go but i think you need to have like that initial attraction in the beginning because that kind of spark makes you like excited about them well you were and, like sparked by his personality uh, anyway i tried to make it work and it didn't work and I, he ended up stalking you, but that's yeah, a whole story. Yeah, and I had to almost get a restraining order, and I probably should have. Yeah, but, but you didn't need to because he faked his own death he at one point. <laughs> I oh, just feel like we're giving people that. all the punchlines and none of the story. I feel like we should have a separate mini-sode in which we just talk about your weird dating stories. Yeah. Not mine, but uh, yours. I feel like that should have been our whole podcast is like the date I went on. Oh my God. Can we start a new podcast? You can have, that can be the sister podcast. So I went on this date. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, oh uh, yeah, basically like this is our literate podcast and that one will be like our, I, I want to give up on this one and just go straight to that one. Cause it's so good because you don't know how to read. And no, I, I suspect it all along. You do a lot of the audio. Not everyone did sweet Valley marathons yeah well i really you know i cornered the game anyway anyway the story goes trevor noah fell in love with someone who didn't speak the same language even though he thought that they were like the most compatible couple in the history of the universe just because she was hot didn't work out doesn't always work out what's our next discussion question what's your favorite story oh i forgot i had to answer the (laughs) question yeah i thought this was just me interviewing you um, honestly, probably my favorite story was the one it opens with where his mom pushes him out of the car and just like their general dynamics in general. Um, I said their general dynamics in general. I'm so embarrassed. Anyways, um, like the fact that they would correspond with each other in these really intense notes, like dear Trevor, I need you to do the laundry. And here's my five point argument of why. And he'd be like, dear mom, this is my 10 point argument of why not. And they just I go that. Yeah. Back and forth. And then like, he was dear just, Trevor. yeah, he was such a shit. And like at the grocery store one time, she was just like, okay, you want candy? I give up, go get the candy. And then he came to the counter and she was like, Oh my like, God. Yes. Yeah. She was like, uh, I don't fucking know this kid. And she was much darker than him since he was a mixed race child. And so she's like, this white kid, like, I don't know him. And the, um, grocery store, what do you call them? Bagger clerk. clerk yeah. Was like, where's your mother? Where's your mother? And he's like, this she's is my mom. mom. This is my mom. <laughs> and she's like, I don't fucking know she's about like, you. you? Yeah. I don't know you. She's like, I don't know you white boy. Like just totally. And he's like eight years old. Like he's not old. And she's just like, no mercy. And, but totally taught him a lesson. She was like, don't fuck with your mom. I'm always one step ahead of you. Or she talked about one time when she like chased him or he talked about like, they would get in fights and she'd throw things at him and like chase him through the streets. And at a certain point when she couldn't catch him, she would start yelling thief so that other people would help try to catch him. And I mean, it just paints such a picture, but it's like they have the best relationship, they do. especially because she was like, I don't care how difficult you are. Like, you're not going to outsmart me. Like she was yeah. always a step ahead of him. Yeah. And just mom goals, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think that she also did a really good job of like. I don't think he ever felt at any time like his mother didn't just love the shit out of him. Like, yeah. He always felt wanted. He always felt loved. He always felt like protected, which I think is why he had such le- leeway to be such a shithead because mm-hmm. he wasn't ever trying to prove himself to his parent. Mm-hmm. He was just like, okay, well, even though she's going to be mad at me, she's never going to be like, you're not my kid, except for that one time. Except for that one story. time when she said, you're not my kid. There's also like, he does acknowledge growing up in the book that there are certain things that he just got away with because he was lighter skinned than like his cousins and stuff like that. Like he mentions his grandmother was afraid like they would, you know, if the kids got in trouble, like spank them or even beat them if, you know, they were really misbehaving and she would be afraid to beat him because he would like purple and bruise and all this stuff. And she said at one point, like, I don't know how to beat a white kid. Yeah. And so she would like beat the other cousins instead, even though he was way worse than them. And he does make this really interesting point in the book where he's like, so this is basically what like privilege is where like as a kid, 
I knew that wasn't fair, but I was also like, cool, I'm not getting beaten. Yeah. So I'm not going to say anything about it because I directly benefit from this. And he's like, this is basically what privilege is, even for adults, where it actually, like, you can only fault people so much for saying, like, hey, I know this is unfair, but am I going to announce the fact that I want things to be, like, harder for me when I'm getting away with all this shit? Like, hopefully as you get older, you're able to balance those things and say, like, yes. Have a moral compass. Yeah, like, justice is more important. And it, if it's not fair for everyone, I shouldn't get these unfair, you know, advantages. But as a kid and as it turns out as adults, most people just think in more simplistic terms of, like, well, it's going well for me, so I'm not going to question the status quo. Yeah. I mean, I think that this book does a really good job of getting into the nuance of race relations without it being a... Like a soapbox situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's it's so... It's so authentic of, mm-hmm. like, what it's actually like. And so I think that you can learn from this even if you have some preconceived notions about race, which everyone does. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I would recommend this book to pretty much anyone. Yeah. And I know we're kind of getting close to time, but I have one other question I wanted to ask you. Ask me. So, um, his mom, Patricia, uses this, I can't say the word, Rosa. Okay. T- um, term called, and it's Sunkela, which I also don't think I'm pronouncing right, properly. But it basically can mean a ton of things, which was like, don't undermine me, don't underestimate me, or like, just try me. And she uses that all the time. So is there anything that your mom would say or your dad would say that is, like, similar to that? That they would... Say as, like, a don't test me? Or just, like, something, like, when they said it, you knew not to fuck with them? Um, absolutely not, because I always knew I could fuck with them a little bit more. (laughs) But it's just all this, so the nature of, like, my parents, which, yeah, I'm, like... I think it probably goes the other way around where they were like, oh, don't fuck with Star's sister because she was the real ruler of the roost. Um, and, like, truly, I can't think of that with my parents because they were, you know, such pushovers. Love them. Live with them, obviously. It's working out for me. Pushovers. Um, pushovers. Letting their 31-year-old live with them. Um, yeah, no, I would... I'm just going to say, like, with my sister, that was a thing. And basically... It wasn't when she said anything. It was, like, the second I saw, like, this flash go through her eyes where I was, like, she is now, like, not a human being anymore. Like, she's crossed over. Like, she would just get this look in her eyes where I'm, like, she is seeing red right now, and I am seeing this, like, blank demonic stare. Really? And I just knew I was about to get murdered, and that was the time to run. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Did your parents have a catchphrase? Mine was just, you know, a stare a from my older sibling. Stare. Yeah. Just, I'm having you know. a hard time imagining her with that stare. I've never seen um, her that angry, but she probably wouldn't do that around me. That's I mean, I don't know that that's true. She we have a great relationship now, but like, oh man, she was a scary big sister. The fact that I survived, what a miracle. I mean, she I can I can imagine her being scary. Yeah. No, but, but it wasn't anything she said. It was like I could see when the switch flipped. What would she do? Like, would she like beat you? Oh yeah, big time. Or like throw things at me. But like what? it could be like a pot. It could be a knife. It could be anything. But it was also like <laughs> let's be clear. I would be like poke, 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 like being a shit little sibling. Yeah. And then I would see when I'd pushed her just too far, and I was like, time to run and lock the bathroom door, or like run to my parents, whose reaction would be like, don't put us in the middle of this as she's. Pummeling me, and I'm like, "You're the mom. Stop her!" And she's like, "I can't. I can't. This is too stressful for me. Just get along." I love moms. Anyways, what did your mom or your dad say to? I mean, my dad basically say like, never "Don't said test anything." Me. What about your mom? I don't know. It's like funny because thinking about that, like, she had a trigger for sure. She had. Yeah, I would say I would say you triggered her at different points, but I can't. I, I don't can't think recall a particular phrase. It seemed kind of unpredictable. The scary thing with your mom was, and I love your mom; she's the best. But I don't think she had a trigger. Like you didn't know what it was gonna be. Yeah, and that's why you were kind of like, oh man, I didn't it know shows. saying this. Yeah, I didn't know saying this was gonna set her off. Yeah. So, 
Ah, parents. I know, so great. All our childhood scars. I can't wait to have children so I can fuck them up. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. And to be clear, you can fuck them up by being like, I'm just too, I just can't be bothered to deal with this. It's too stressful. Just get along. It's not my problem. Yeah. That's me shitting on my parents, to be clear. Okay, good. Or AKA my roommates. <laughs> I mean, the oh, fact that they're still letting me live there, like what pushovers. I know, but don't complain. I they know. let you keep all the honey. To be clear, the honey's all mine. <laughs> and no competition for the honey pot. Ew, 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 ew. I'm just going to let you didn't remember that you that. said that and no. that's broadcasted no. to the world. No. No. Nye. <laughs> Are you okay? No. How's that visual? No. <laughs> All right. Well, podcast is finished. I feel like this is a good good place to end it anyway. Oh. Um, so I feel like we barely talked about the book. We need to rate it before we go. Oh, that's right. I would give it a eight out of ten. Okay, I would give it an eight point two out of ten, <laughs> just to like Price is Right box you out. Okay. Yeah, because I really liked it. I thought that it was really funny. It had like some really good social commentary. I mean. Yeah, for what it was, I really liked it. I also... Like, there's nothing about it where I think, oh, I wish this would be no. different. Like, yeah. it was exactly what I hoped it could be. Yeah. It's just something where I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to be, like, a life changer for me. No. So I really can't give it higher than, like... Yeah. It wasn't, like, a literary masterpiece. But it was... A, no. I think that it was objectively a good book. I also think it's, like... It's a comedian, so it's like a comedy book. Yeah. Where you're like, yes, there's social commentary and there's something to be said. It's not like it's just... A complete, you know, waste of your time. Like, mm-hmm. you won't get anything out of it. And even just his personal experience is interesting, especially mm-hmm. kind of growing up, like, as a mixed-race child in South Africa yeah. when it was illegal to be that. But, like... It's an interesting story. Yeah, it's an interesting story, but I also just... This is how I feel about, like, short stories and memoirs and all of these things in general, is, like, it's just too choppy where I'm, like, it's hard when it's, like, one story and then you just move all over the place where mm-hmm. I like there to be more of this like overarching na- narrative. Which you really can't do unless, no. it's, a, unless it's fiction. Like yeah, it's- so I'm like, this isn't something like he could have made it any better. It's just like, that's probably the highest rating a memoir could get from me. Yeah, I agree. So, solid 8.1 <laughs> average <mixed> review. <laughs> okay. Um, Alright, so... What are we gonna talk about next week? Next week... Um, this was a recommendation from... Jen. No, this book was a recommendation from Jen. Yeah, I was just trying to... You said you were going to, like, call her out in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Jen, thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry that Brandy's such a bitch, Jen. I appreciate (laughs) you. So, um, but I was sorry. What I was going to say was that next week we are going to be prepping to read Nine Perfect Strangers... But I think it's Leanne Moriarty. She's got Leanne a of, Moriarty? Is that how you say it? It's the one that wrote Big Little Lies. Oh, really? There's yeah. a lot of randomly placed eyes in the, that name. Oh, yeah. She's an Australian author. Oh. I'm a fan. I've read at least two of her books. I really like Big Little Lies, and I like the HBO special. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm we can talk about more about that next week. Yeah. But So that's what we're going to be reading. Who should... recommended it to us? Monica from... You're really going to need to do more Hold on. on Let me podcast. find it. I have it. I have it. I have it. Okay. Let me grab the email. Speaking Hold of on. Monica... I remembered Monica because it made me think of Friends. Oh, you thought of a different Monica. We, uh, that's I don't interesting. Know, I don't know any Monicas in real life, so my only relation is that one and Monica from Friends. Yeah, it's funny that like we both went to different places with that. I would argue that your Monica is a more basic Monica, and mine is, like, the best So, Monica, Monica is from Kansas City, but oh. Monica did not specify if she was from Kansas City, Kansas, or, or Kansas, Kansas City, City Missouri. 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 I, you don't say Missouri, do you? No, but I wanted to. <laughs> um, I'm really shocked that we haven't had any recommendations from Cleveland yet, aren't you? Given that you shot all over Cleveland in like <laughs> maybe our they, first maybe episode, they all, maybe they all protested the yeah, podcast. Like just like thanks but a lot. Kansas is technically the Midwest, right? Yeah, it's definitely so the Midwest. We're, we're getting there. And Missouri also, in case that's where she is. 
Well, the city of Kansas. Well, either way, the Midwest loves Midwest Leanne Moriarty. Represent. It's cold there. It's cold here too. I feel like it's cold most places except Australia, which is where this author is from. What? It all I comes hope this full book circle. is about warm things. Actually, I hope this book is about cold things because I feel like when it's cold, I like to read books about when it's cold and like cozy. And when it's warm, you're like, I want this to be a beach read. Yeah, like Molokai. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't that call I that beach. a beach read, which, by the way... I read it on the beach. I thought it was a beach read. A couple of our readers have written in about that one, and were like, oh my... They did admit, like, they learned a lot about it, but they're like, yeah. that was so sad. Yeah. And it, it definitely was, was, but I feel like we didn't play up how sad it was, so... No. I like, mean, people seemed surprised by how sad it was, because we were just like, blah, blah, leprosy, Hansen's disease. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I... I that is nice. I like it when people write us and tell us how they thought about the book and because how we, much they hate us. I like that too. No, don't say that. So anyway, next week we were reading Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. Moriarty. Um, we're gonna be shooting the shit about it in the first episode. I have no idea what cocktail I'm gonna pair with it because I actually don't know anything about the book right well, now. Well, we'll look it up and we'll pick one unless someone has a suggestion, but probably. Ooh. What. This has a perfect neutral review on Goodreads and Google and Barnes and Noble. What's a neutral review? Three point six on Goodreads, three on Barnes and Noble, and fifty four percent on Google users. So it's like slightly positive. Okay, well I can't wait to have. Which I mean, I feel like some people love it and some people hate it because I feel like people very rarely leave like super neutral reviews. What I will say, and I wonder if this is a product of us talking about the books together. We are usually not that far off from each other. Like, I wish that we were like, I love it, I hate it. But we're usually like, I love it, or, or I really love it, or I liked it okay, and I liked it a little more than okay. There was one book that I liked we more than off. you did. Yeah, but I think it was slightly. Like, oh. A Place for Us. And I was like... Yeah, but also Molokai, because yeah. you read it in, like, speed read fashion. Yeah, I think I was the one that, like, really undersold how sad that book was. Yeah. It was incredible. I love that book. I liked it. See, <laughs> but I didn't hate it. Okay. I liked it. All right. So um, next week, Nine Perfect Strangers, um, shoot us an email or a tweet at Let's Get Lit Podcast and let us know what you want us to read next because we are a s- servant we to are you. Slave for you. I can't deny it. I'm not trying to hide it. Get Baby. it, get it, get it, get it. <laughs>